Hi, this is Liz Vartanian and welcome to my friend, the artist. Today, I am have the luxury of chatting with my friend, Sophia, who is all the way in Paris, France. And I um, am so very lucky that she's taking time out of her, her schedule to chat with us today. Um, Sophia and I know each other through yoga. She was coming to my uh, restorative classes and I, I literally remember the first day you walked into the studio, Sophia, you just walked in and we're like, hi, how's it going? I want to do blah, 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 blah. And I was like, oh, well, come on in. Um, and it was just, and we've been friends ever since. And um, she's come to as many of my classes as I've had. And um, I have lovingly supported her uh, from afar as she's traveled to Tokyo and now France to do fashion. And I'm super excited for this conversation. Um, did I miss anything, Sophia? No, I think that's pretty thorough. Um, I don't actually remember my first class, but I remember your classes the most vividly out of like all the yoga teachers I've had. Um, definitely tried to make it to every class you've ever had. <laughs> You did. I mean, you did. I remember. Yeah. Yes, you did. Good. <laughs> I, do, I do my best. <laughs> I mean, I think you even sometimes plan dates around class, which was always lovely. I did. Oh, no. It was like, you're not as hot as this class I'm going to go to. <laughs> I okay. I feel extra good, good right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, my ego has now taken a hit I, or it, it <laughs> out in, in a good way. So I will take that. Um, Sophia has planned her dates around yoga classes and knew it. Okay. Um, what are you drinking? I see, I see you drinking on your cup. What are you, what are you drinking? What, so we'll start. It's 6 PM there, your time. So it's, it's not a morning. It is. It's 6 PM. It's um, I I've been home from class for a number of hours uh, working from home, which is nice. Um, and it's not yet dinner time. I am drinking a cider, which is one of my favorite things about winter like the excuse to make all the wintry tastes. Yes. Um, so I made this one for a Halloween party I just hosted. And then I totally forgot to serve it because it was French people arrived to things very late. And I was very tired by the time everyone actually got to my house after like a full day of decorating for Halloween and like buying a thousand things. So I have all of this cider now that I've been drinking all week and it's like an extra treat. So it's nice. Nice. I love it. Um, that, you know, fall is really good about that. And the, like the warm beverages and the, just that there's something really nice. I, you know, it's part of why I like coffee in the morning. It's just that warm cup. And there's something just so comforting about holding a warm mug in your hand. Um, it's just, it's perfect. So Absolutely. I'm glad you're sitting on cider. Um, so you are doing fashion and, so we're, we're talking about creativity and I'm, I'm so curious to know about, um, one, what's your favorite way to express your creativity right now? And if it's in school or if it's out of school or how, how that actually works. That's a great question. I don't think that I have a favorite way to express my creativity because I feel, and maybe this is something that a lot of artists say, but I feel like every moment of my life is an opportunity to be creative, um, whether I'm like problem solving or making something beautiful or like cooking, doing laundry. Like I just think is comes from that place of being creative, um, which is, 
it's creativity and it's also analytics and logic for me. I think that solving problems is a, like inherently creative thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I never did STEM or very much math, but I've, I've talked to a lot of people who do. And the way that I feel about art is the way that a lot of people in science and math talk about um, their like interests and careers actually, which is I think an interesting parallel that the outside of the box thinking almost right where it's yeah it's like creativity it is really close to each other that that parallel of how do I solve a problem and then also how do I make this thing right and I think like in fashion or or cooking maybe we're trying to make something beautiful we're trying to make something tasty Mm -hmm. in math you're trying to make something work or in science you're trying to make something like answered Mm -hmm. yes yeah well, and I think creati- creativity in some ways is you are answering your own internal question, right? Yeah, when you, absolutely. When you, when you are creating something and it's like, you know, cooking is a good example of like, how do I create a meal that is both tasty and maybe aesthetic, aesthetically pleasing? Or, you know, how do I compact it with as much love or um, nutrition, nourishment in it as I can? Um and I'm sure fashion is a lot of that too, right? Where you're creating and it's, it's like, okay, what, what is the function of this? It's like that function and beauty almost. Um, yeah. It's function, beauty, um, product, like the ability to actually produce it, whether I'm making something on my own, which means I have to actually have the skills and the materials to make something. I can design something outlandish, but if I can't actually make it and turn it into my teacher, in my degree program, then it doesn't matter. But right. we also, in the degree program I'm taking, we practice a lot of design. So we practice a lot of design outlandish things we can't personally produce right now. Right. Um, and we also practice taking something we've designed and adapting it into a way that we can actually produce it so that we can have a finished product at the end, a garment or an accessory. Nice. So and you're enjoying, you're enjoying that program? I am. So I'm taking a technical program from a French university, uh, French like technical fashion school. It's mm-hmm. actually the oldest school in France, um, and it doesn't do anything besides fashion. It specializes in construct- couture, construction, and design. Okay. So how to design something for an individual person, which is adaptable to like a mass market production, and then I'm taking the performance specialization. So costumes for music video, um, artists and performers, dance, theater, opera, ballet, cinema, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, which really is a lot of problem solving and that's why I chose it. And that's why I'm so interested by it. Well, yeah. Cause the ability to be able to move, to look good and move, right. Those are all things yeah, to look good and move for someone else to, you know, let's say, you're working on a music video and the director says, this is our idea. And the artist says, this is the way that I like to be perceived. And then you have to create something that marries those two. Yeah. I mean, that's very exciting. Yes, it is. Problem solving at its best and also creative, I mean, creativity, right? Out of the box thinking. Absolutely. And I love beautiful things. I mean, a lot of artists love beautiful things. I want a beautiful house. I want a beautiful life. I want to be creating beautiful things for the world. It also helps solve the problem in the industry of like overproduction and capitalism and overconsumption because performance is is like 
by and large, you're creating a single product for a single moment right? or a single TV show, a single person. Couture is like that too. You're creating individual pieces based on someone's unique measurements, which is also problem solving, right? If you have someone who with a wildly different body than someone else, you're going to construct that garment in different ways. Right. You learn a lot about how to design things, make things to either exaggerate or diminish aspects of the body or ideas. So it's very analytical, but it's also very creative, of course. Yes. How does that feel in this, I mean, in this climate, the, the, um, in the world that we live in right now, the idea of creating something that both flirt or enhances or diminishes, um, Sophia is, is, one of my favorite activist friends, she is always, I, you know, I love it. You're always sending me texts. Hey, did you know that this is happening? Hey, did you do this? Did you do that? It's like, thank you, Sophia. I didn't know. Um, but how does that feel? I mean, for you as, as a woman, as, you know, somebody, you know, who is so active, who is so pro, um, diversity. How does that feel to kind of have those things? It's a very interesting industry to work in as someone who looks by and large the way, quote unquote, a woman is supposed to look. I mean, I'm, I'm very pale. (laughs) I have blue eyes. I have model measurements in terms of the actual fit models we use on campus. Like I'm a little bit thinner, actually. I have a, I mean, this is not to my own horn. It's just like to be this kind of woman, you know? Um, to look like the people in the advertisements of the industry I'm supposed to work in. It is really interesting because, for example, when I was in Tokyo, um, you know, the school was primarily Japanese. There is a lot of influence from the West in entertainment. Of course, America produces all of the music and the music videos and the TV and the cinema that the rest of the world watches. Um, And then a lot of fashion comes out of France and a lot of the education system. And of course my school is a French school. So Mm -hmm. all the curriculum was French. So you had all of these Asian people from Southeast Asia and Japan in class with me who would ask me to model their garments because they were making the garment for my body and not their body. Right. And that was a really interesting sort of like cultural conversation to be having not in so many words because Japan is extremely polite, but it was very interesting to, and continues to be very interesting to know that I'm on sort of the positive receiving end of a lot of the industry. Um, It's very exciting time to be in the industry right now because there is a lot of diversity. There's a lot of interest for inclusion. There's a lot of interest in equanimity. There's a lot of buzzwords. Of course, there's also like greenwashing and just like you know, sticking a fat black woman on an advertising model, but not actually have anything in the store that could fit her. That's a real thing that happens as well. So for me, it's a really interesting ongoing conversation of how we can amplify reality Mm -hmm. of like what people actually look like, what we actually need to wear, what actually their budget is. Mm -hmm. Um, what the actual situation of production of fast fashion in Bangladesh and Sri Lanka. I mean, the industry causes a lot of problems on an ecological and in, um, and like human wellness level. Yeah. Um, in so many ways. 
and every industry has major problems. Yeah. So I'm happy that I'm like, you know, I, I wouldn't want to be born any earlier than I am for many reasons, including this of like, we do have greater access to information. We do have greater access to um, like popular accountability, yes. <laughs> like populism yeah. within social society of like, People can talk about the issues, they can tell each other. So that's really exciting. Um, on a personal level, one of the things that has been very interesting to me in the last year is I spent two years in this Parisian school in Tokyo learning how to make clothes for someone who looks like me. And then this summer, I stayed in Tokyo for a couple of extra months to take an optional summer course to make a men's suit for a friend who doesn't look anything like me. He's my height, he's super wide, like almost square. He um, semi-professionally deadlifts like massive amounts. And so his body is ex- not at all unusual because a lot of people look like him, Right. but it wasn't what I've been taught to work with. And I learned so much. And I learned so much about the industry, watching my teachers, like try to help me with this thing that was unusual for them, which is silly because Bodies come in literally every shape and size. You know, if I can walk into like a Zara or an H&M and not find a single pair of pants that fits me, that means no one can find a single pair of pants that fit me. Right. Or any, or themselves or anybody. Like there's the way that we produce garments. It's other than being massively unsustainable, massively harmful, like massively unnecessary. We don't need a thousand companies making the exact same black pair of cigarette pants like that's right right totally unnecessary so that's why I was so excited to have the opportunity to study couture and that's why I'm specializing in performance and costume um because I want to be able to make one garment at a time um for clients for performers for a moment to tell a specific story um and for myself of course of course I love it well, my friend, what keeps you inspired for all these things? What is it that is, um, where do you go to? Where do you look for inspiration? What, what is it that's keeping you inspired these days to create these things? So I've always wanted to get a fashion design degree since I was a child. It's like one of the first things I ever remember wanting. Um, so arrested by the way that we use fashion to communicate, like communication is one of my favorite things about being alive. Like Mm -hmm. the way that we communicate to others in interpersonal relationships, to the broader spectrum of society, the way that we change our communication style, depending on who we're talking to in what context, what we want out of it. That's so interesting to me. And in fashion, it's the same way when we get up and we get dressed, a lot of us subconsciously, and also a lot of us consciously, like, especially those of us who are women, who work in the industry, um, who are maybe historically excluded and they know they have to dress a certain way to be perceived a certain way. Um, Mm -hmm. We do, we dress a certain way to be perceived a certain way to communicate certain things. And that is so interesting to me. It's always been like a driving, motivating factor for my interest in fashion, but also just something that I think about every single day when I get dressed, like how do I wanna feel? What do I wanna communicate to others? Um, I was talking to a friend about this the other day, like she asked me a question about my dating life. You know, how do you get that? How do you end up in those rooms with those people having those experiences? And the short answer for me, and one of the things that I mentioned to her was I 
behave as if I'm supposed to be there. But that that works yes. for dressing too. Like when I was living in Texas, I wasn't making any money and I went to go get a job at a law firm and I mm-hmm. bought a suit for the interview and I got the job. Cause you, and, like you belong there. Yeah, because I looked like I belonged there um, for many reasons. I'm sure I got the job. I was what they yeah. wanted, et cetera, et cetera. But um, then, that was really interesting because in that particular time in my life, I would put on a wool suit to go to work and mm-hmm. then I would change during lunch to go to yoga. So I'd change into my yoga clothes, yeah. go to like practice yoga on my lunch break, take a shower, change back, mm-hmm. you know, have the rest of my day in my work clothes and then go to my car change again to go to dinner and dancing so that I belonged there in those spaces. Yeah. Yeah. And I've always had a really big interest in stacking the deck in my favor, like in every aspect of my life, in every moment, I'm always trying to make the decision that stacks the deck in my favor and gives me the highest success rate. And for women, especially it, and for people trying to break into a certain industry, like get a certain contract, date a certain person, whatever it's, A large part of that is what we wear. Yes. Yeah. Well, I love the idea of, of communication and, and almost like the energy you want to put into something as inspiration. I mean, I think that is such a, um, as someone who, you know, doesn't like to wear yoga clothes unless I'm going to yoga or unless I'm teaching. Um, I think that is important. I think it's really important to be able to, to show up and, and, and look at, and show up as yourself, right? And let let the you, the clothes that you wear be the communication of of your persona, of um, the event that you're going to, the the way that you're showing up. I love that. Absolutely. I, I think a lot of us we feel good when we buy something new, and it's not. I mean, it's nice to to spend money to be reminded that we um, can take care of ourselves or yes. that someone's taking care of us. Absolutely. But I also think there's something like really visceral and extremely tied to our basic fundamental humanity of self-expression like especially in the west self-expression is in so many ways just completely pervasive in our advertising in the ways that we think the ways that we relate to each other fashion is a really big part of that and whether someone quote-unquote pays attention to fashion or not what they're wearing is communicating something to you Yes. Yeah. Right. And, and I think, unfortunately, there is an innate, um, unfortunately, there is an innate just kind of judgment that goes through our minds. Right. And I think on a subconscious level, we do that where it's like, oh, you see this person and and it's like seeing, it would be like going to a yoga class and seeing someone in, um, you know, jeans and a t-shirt practicing and be like yeah, that. It's like, hey, this is their first time. Yeah. This, yeah. Yeah. There, there is a, there is a, there's a sensation to that where it's like, oh, okay, that's interesting. Or, um, you know, show someone showing up, uh, you know, in a, in a prom dress or a ball gown, you know, to the yeah. movie theater. It's like, okay, hold on. They're having a There's, lot of fun. Yeah. Right. Right. We have this like, okay, yeah. hold on a second. So yeah, there is a lot of communication. It's a good, and you know, I, regardless of whether you pay attention to fashion or not, clothing is that form of self-expression, right? There is something really um, fundamental about, hey, um, I, I, I thought about this a lot over the last year is like, what I wear is an adornment to my body, 
Right. Absolutely, and, yeah. and so whether it's the necklace that I wear, like I've got the boys initials and I have this beautiful, um, handmade chain that's got a quartz on it that I wear daily. You know, I have, um, you know, the jeans that I like to wear the shirt, you know, there is such a thing. It's like, this is my, if your body is your temple, this is how I'm dressing my temple. This is how I'm adorning myself. This is how, this is my sacred space. I think especially for being a woman navigating the world, I can't speak for anyone's experiences beside myself. I mean, I'm like a relatively attractive woman who hits a lot of the points of quote unquote, what you're supposed to be as a woman um, Mm -hmm. until you like have long deep conversations with me and then you either go one direction or the other and you're like never mind um, or yay you know no friend no you're amazing don't let's not let's not well, uh, I am amazing but some people don't want this kind of amazing, that's true which is yes. which is you know I'm valid um but I think especially for women like we might want we might wear something to a bachelorette party that we wouldn't wear to a bar right. on a first date because right. we're really conscious of the way we want other people to perceive us. Like right. when I walk home at night in my neighborhood, now Paris is extremely safe compared to the United States statistically. And it feels very, very safe compared to the United States um, in for many reasons we won't get into. But when I want to be left alone a little bit more, I put my hair up because my like back half of my head is shaved. It's buzzed uh-huh. um, and it looks more urban. And I'm less like Senator's daughter, which I can like, you know, I'm like a white girl from Texas and I'm very clean and there's no like tattoos, um, you know, so there's no like crazy hair color. Like there's not a lot to dissuade someone from bothering me. And I notice when I put my hair up, people bother me less, um, which is really interesting because it's such a minor thing. Um, but it, it, people, we communicate with each other by what we look like. And we're supposed to do that. I mean, that's why we have eyes. And that's like why we, as a society in every single human society in every era, like self-decoration, piercing, jewelry, clothes, furs, colors are all been very important to culture and how we identify different culture is based on how we dress our bodies differently. Yeah, exactly. Yes, absolutely. Um, what is something that you've created that you're really proud of? Myself. I mean, that's the, (laughs) I love it. Right. Like you, I don't know about anyone else, but I'm sure we all do. I'm sure we all spend our lives creating ourselves to be who we want to succeed in the ways that we want to succeed to stack the deck in our favor. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that's, that's a, it's such an interesting thing. Um, I think we're constantly creating ourselves. Right. And I think that that's, that's the goal. I, um, it, that idea that it's like, you can't live the same life, you know, ever, or the same day for 90 years and call that living, right. That, that you, then you're purposely keeping yourself small. You're purposely keeping yourself from experiencing new things or growing. And the reality is, is yeah, you, we are creating ourselves, whether it be like, Oh, I saw this thing and, um, or I had this experience and wow, that opened something up in me. And I want to seek that out or, um, the ability to just create, you know, um, a, a way of interacting in the world that, feels authentic to you. Um, and I love, I love, I love your answer. It's a perfect one. Yeah. I mean, every moment of the day, every word that we speak, 
every decision we make, every time we realize we're feeling a certain way, you know, like every single second we're creating our reality and we're creating ourselves. Um, Because like you said, you can change your reality. Maybe not 100% do we have control over every aspect of our reality, but we can choose to um, stay in or go out. We can choose to read that book someone recommended to us or not. We can choose to wear that thing. This is a thing women talk about a lot. It's like, well, I can't wear that. I hear that all the time. I can't wear that. I, does this look good? It's like, who fucking cares? Like, I mean, I, I get where that comes from. I totally do. I totally get where that comes from. Well, I, I mean, I, I can personally say like, I, you know, and it's funny because I think about it and it's like when the boys were small, there were lots of things I did not wear. And I, in my perspective, could not wear because one, when you have a toddler running between your legs and lifting up your dress, there's just, you know, there's the ability. Sure, it's like, yeah. no, no, yeah, everybody yeah. needs to be my underwear. Um, or my ass, uh, for that matter. Um, so there is like, but then we do get kind of caught up in that sense and of like, oh, I can't wear this or I can't wear that. It, and I think it goes back to both the message or this or that that too. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say, it goes back to both the message of like, Hey, I can't wear that because it sends this message, even though I feel confident in that or those, those pants or what have you. Um, you know, and there is some of that kind of like holding back of yourself where it's like, oh, well, I, I can't wear that. I can't do that. And it's like, well, hold the yeah. phone. Why it's can't I? Told you that you can't wear that color. And then you like, and then you behaved as if that was true, whether or not it was true. Right. Right. And I think there's a huge difference between you putting on, you know, um, a marigold dress and you looking in the mirror and going, gosh, I look green. And I don't think this is you know, like, okay, point ticket. And someone's turning to you and say, oh, that doesn't, that color doesn't look that good on you. It's like, well, that's might be your opinion, but you know, up until that moment, you probably were feeling great in your dress or your outfit. And then someone, yeah. So it's, it really, it does become a question of, is this my opinion or somebody else's opinion? Absolutely. I also think that, you know, you mentioned earlier, like living the same day every day for years. Yeah. That is valid. Like if somebody wants to do that with their life, I mean, absolutely. And I'm really happy for whatever makes somebody happy, of course, as long as they're not causing harm, of course. Um, Right. Right. That's great. I also think that a lot of women, like my mom's age, but even women my age, um, you know, we, we've talked about before in our friendship, like being afraid of joy, being afraid of happiness. And I think that there's a, something that terrifies people about giving themselves permission, Mm. like giving themselves permission to try a new hair color or do that thing that their mom would, or their dad would think is crazy, but would possibly give them new experiences. And maybe it would make them really happy. And you, and there's something really valuable about giving yourself the option to try new things. Yes. And I think clothes is a really attainable way for people to do that because you can take it on and off. Right. Right. And it's not like you don't have to fundamentally change your life to work in small steps on your confidence or right. like your self-expression or your authenticity or something like that. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, speaking of living in real life one day uh, for the rest of your life, um, let's talk about burnout and, um, let's talk about burnout and self-care 
both from like a creative standpoint, right? As you're going through school and things like that, how do you keep that creativity? How do you keep from burning out on your creativity? But then also just in real um, like everyday life, what is that self-care um, slash burnout prevention look like for you? I'll answer the second question first on a like regular basis. What does self-care and burnout prevention look like? I mean, I know that everyone has wildly different needs and yeah. we're all wildly different humans um, as much as we are also the same. And for me, I'm super social. So I have to go out a lot and I have to prioritize filling my social battery so that I can turn around and like hyper-focus for a week or two on a big project for school or just be able to sit through that class and like not want to bang my head against the window, um, <laughs> you know. Um, so, and that interferes with my productivity because it, it socialization is distracting. Right. So I'm always looking for that balance of going out enough that I get enough energy that I can turn around and work. Right. Um, I also very much find that for myself, if I stay, if I keep myself in motion, great. Mm-hmm. Right, I get into the habit of resting a lot. I wondering in the last year, like how much is burnout and how much not is laziness, but is like, I've gotten into the habit of truly resting, like watching TV, reading, putting my feet up, taking a long bath, which I've needed a lot of in the last couple of years. I think a lot of us have needed just like extreme balance for all of the stress of COVID and political climate and everything, inflation, like everything. Life. Life. Yes. Um, in the years I was taking baths, like I'm on, on an almost daily basis, um, right. don't have a bathtub in this new apartment. So now I'm doing <laughs> stuff. Hey, you're going to have to find some hot spring. You have to find a hot spring or something that's close by or yeah, something, something like that. I am taking a lot of showers though. I've noticed like sometimes I take two a day. Um, it's, there's something really nice about being in a situation where you can't check your phone. And if there's yeah. water falling all around you, you can't check your phone. That's true. in the bath. You can check your phone. Right. So this is actually like really works for me to, to get under my little rain shower and just stand there and be like, so I can't be doing anything else, but just <laughs> join the water and just, you know, so that's good. Um, and then I don't drink very much as, which is like, wasn't a big deal in, in my life at all until I got to Paris and people drink every single meal. They have wine. Now wine is not a lot of alcohol, right? Um, but I have all these allergies and I can't drink wine and I can't drink beer. So I end up going to cocktail bars and drinking liquor. And I've noticed since I got here, I'm drinking quite a bit and it really, like bottoms out my immune system. I got sick right. a couple of weeks ago because I drank a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, now I know everyone's not that sensitive, but for me, I, I really try not to overdo the sugar, alcohol, milk, all of which are sugars in the body. Yeah. Um, and I've been doing like, I, I read this, one of those Instagram meme things, right? <laughs> About like, a, it was like some sort of short, interview from a podcast or a talk show or something like that. Right. And it was the guy who said something about two minutes, like just the hardest part of doing anything is get, is actually doing it, like actually starting it. Yes. And that's very true for me. I, I recently discovered that I do not just struggle fundamentally. I'm actually ADHD and 
that that's so interesting we'll have we'll have to have another conversation about that um either offline or or someplace in life because it's 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 amazing to me how many artist friends i know and just people i know that um are are discovering their own adhds and their own um their own kind of idiosyncrasies in the world neurodivergencies um is really is really astonishing um yeah wouldn't have been wanted to be born at any earlier time right (laughs) right because at least we know these things yeah at least there's a name for it now I mean I'm 27 and I was not diagnosed when I was younger even though I have extremely classic ADHD presenting um of course the way women and men generally present in American society is different because what we expect and how we socialize people based on gender is different so for boys it's often ADD they're like hyperactive for women it's often um when they're younger they zone out and are very distractible which is extremely true of people who are creative and intelligent and like also also really parallel with trauma Right. And I think, I think that to me is always the the other baffling part of that, not baffling, the, the fascinating part of that too, is how, how similar the ADHD and uh, trauma responses are really just right in there together. I mean, I, I think not to say that anything is not true. Like we do have these neural divergencies. I'm would never argue with the psychiatrist, but I think if we all like we're hunter gatherers. Like none of these terms would be really necessary because nobody would need me to wake up at 7 a.m. before the sun's <laughs> up and go to class and sit in a chair for X amount of hours, right. even though we're not actually learning anything, we're just working on our own and then go home and then keep doing the exact same thing I was doing in class, but now on my terms, right? right. I'm so much more productive when I can do things on my terms. I think a lot of people are. Yes. And it's because when they ask us to fit in these sort of capitalist institutional boxes, like so many of us don't fit. And then there's all these names for that. Well, I think too, I think that there is this fundamental thing of, um, I, I have a, my best friend and I always talk about how, you know, the, the, we kind of joke around how, how, um, the younger generation right now is all about quitting their nine to five job and wanting to go have a farm. And it's like, do you know if you have a farm, you're up at dawn and, and you're working until the end of the day and, and you're, there's no time to check TikTok or, you know, yeah. or, so it is, but it's on their terms, but it's on their That's, terms. And, and yeah. the thing about it is, is it's like, we are, we are not meant to necessarily sit all day in a cubicle or, or to, you know, wake up at these insane hours. There is something really lovely about I wake up with the sun and or or I wake up when I naturally wake up and my body has had its fill of sleep and, you know, go to bed when I'm ready, when it's, you know, if it's dark and I'm tired, I, I honor those things. Um, and being able to be closer into those kind of cycles is super important. Um, and I think yeah, it's really-, really interesting since I when I moved to Tokyo um, in June of 2019, I know, I knew when I was in Texas, that Texas was a difficult place to be a woman. I knew that America was a difficult place to be a human. Like I knew these things. And then I knew that other places had better access to things, higher standards of living, like more safety. Like I knew this. And then when I moved to Tokyo, which is one of the, if not the safest place in the world for my body, Mm-hmm. Um, I don't run in, I did not in three years run into the, um, kind of sexism that Japanese women run into 
because right. gaijin falls so far outside of society and Japanese society is super exclusionary. Right. Um, and I didn't speak Japanese and I wasn't working, right? I was studying at a foreign school yeah. um, with other foreigners and a lot of Japanese people who were wanted to be studying at a foreign school who wanted to be taking an English course. So I was quite far outside of quote unquote typical Japanese society and Gaijin in general live in this like weird lily pad on top of society. Right. And it's a whole thing we won't get into, but my nervous system mm-hmm. took a couple of years to like find where it is now. Right. Of living in a place where there's almost no crime, like of any yeah. kind, yeah. like very common to walk into a Starbucks in an airport and see MacBook Pros just lined up and everyone's in line to get their coffee. No one's going to touch your stuff. Right. Like just, I mean, that is so unthinkable in the West. Yeah. You don't, you don't leave your purse out to go to the bathroom. Yeah. You don't live your like, you know like Louis Vuitton Neverfull, which is like multiple thousands of dollars, you know, right. with shit just sticking out of it as you walk through the busiest train station in the world. Right. You can do that in Japan because yeah. it's so safe because people are not going to take your stuff, especially because um, society has all agreed to be like that. Yes. And of course, I'm not saying it's perfect. There's, there's no place in the world is perfect. No place in the world is truly safe for anyone, especially a woman, but, um, it was such a different experience for my nervous system on a daily basis. And I felt right. Cause I've been practicing yoga, um, for so long and have a relationship with my nervous system over the course of many, many, many months and a couple of years, how my nervous system changed, how my hormones changed, how my cortisol levels like dropped so significantly. Um, and then I felt them creep up because of the pandemic and yeah. personal stuff and school getting stressful and all this stuff. Right. Um, now I'm living in France, which is like a midpoint between the safety of Japan and the chaos of America. Right. Um, people will take your stuff, but there's like <laughs> yes. much less, yeah, right. But there's much less of the like st- violence that you get in American cities right. or just communities in general. There's very low gun violence. There's an extremely low rate of murder um, here. And the big thing is like pickpocketing, which is yeah. like, you, know, you want my wallet, baby, you can have it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing of value in there, my friend. Um, yeah. Well, it's more like, you know, I lived 24 years being worried about my body, like, right. and not my stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And now I only have to really worry about my stuff. Yes. I mean, Paris is a big city. I'm not going to drink a drink a guy hands me at a techno club, but right. <laughs> you know, all of those things, all the ways that I show up as a woman in Texas, I'm like over shooting what you really need to be a woman in Paris, at least yeah. so far. And I well overshot what you need to be a, a white woman in Tokyo. Yeah. So that's really cool in terms of my self-care in the last couple of years has been like not being in a place that was stressing me out so much. Yeah. Which I know a lot of people don't have the opportunity for, but that was incredible. Um, it continues to be an incredible experience. Yeah. Well, I have to say your year of baths and and naps and self-care, that's been my year. So I, you know, I, I don't know if it was, if it's this um, just life um, mid pandemic kind of where, where um we're just kind of like, how do we function in a world that asks so much of us? Um, I'm, I can relate to the multiple baths a day kind of, um, luxury, uh, cause it is, it is important, right? There is this, there is this 
and I, and I agree on the sense of like, am I resting or is this burnout? Cause that is a hard, that's a hard line to know if, have I pushed myself too far and now I have to rest and I'm doing this, or am I actually just doing the things that keep my nervous system happy, that keep myself, you know, functioning. Am I, um, I hate this phrase, but like, am I just high maintenance in that sense of, yeah, I need, um, two hours of time to myself every day so that I can then function with everybody else. Or I need, yeah, I want to take a bath in the morning and a bath at, you know, lunchtime and then a bath at night. Cause damn hot water feels good. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think that for me, I was so burned out. I mean, my entire life I have been burned out, right? I grew up in an abusive home in an abusive state, in an abusive country, in an abusive world. Like, you know, and I, and I actually had a bit of a different experience than a lot of my other female friends growing up in Texas, because my dad was a misogynist and I lived with palpable fear in my body every single day for so many years. Right. And then you get out of that specific situation and you're thrown into here, try to make a living in Texas without a degree, without a car, right. without like support. Any, yeah. Yeah. Well, with, with minimal support. I mean, I'm, I'm lucky that I have good family um, that have been very supportive and amazing friends, but I think the question of, am I burned out as it's like, of course I'm burned out. Like, okay. <laughs> yeah. How can you know? Yeah. yeah. Right. I can sleep for the rest of my life to make up for all of that. Yeah. Um, and there's no normal, right. There's no like ideal. There's no access to an ideal because even people who grew up very comfortably in very loving homes with more than enough of everything, including affection money, everything they, you know, it's like, it's not that their life is easy because it's hard in different ways because it's hard for all of us. Right. And I actually find that really comforting Yes, because that inevitability, I think it's like, it allows me to really accept it and just say, okay, like, how are we going to make the best of this situation? And like, how much self-care can I inject? How can I slow down what I'm doing maybe, or do it really quickly so that I have more time to read at the end of the day. Yeah. Wow. Amazing. Well, Sophia, I love you so very much. And I greatly appreciate you taking your time out of your busy France schedule. Um, is there anything else you want to share any, um, links or I know you're on Instagram and I don't know if, I don't remember if you're public or private. I I am on Instagram. I have a public Instagram, which is, um, Marto Sophia, M I R T O T or (laughs) M I R T O S-O-P-H-I-A, um, which I post stuff about the fashion degree that I'm working on in my projects, um, which is really interesting. And that actually is inspiring because it inspires me to like finish things, right? <laughs> my work, you know, it, like it has this accountability aspect, which yes. I think a lot of creatives need. And for yes. me, that like, I'm very accountable to others. Like I will go over to my friend's house and do their laundry, even if mine sits undone. And I think a lot of people are like that. Oh, um, absolutely. absolutely. Well, good. Well, you have a lovely evening, Sophia. Thank you so very much. Have a lovely evening. Also, it was a pleasure to talk to you as always. All right.